Welcome to Tales from Abroad, an education abroad podcast that explores stories of students, faculty, staff, and friends of the IUP community about their time abroad. Maybe you're a prospective student or a colleague of a podcast guest, or you just like to travel. Either way, we hope these stories inspire you to look at life from a global perspective and take the next step in traveling abroad with or without students in tow. I'm Jess Mulvihill, avid international traveler and seasoned international educator. So come along with me and let's listen to some tales from abroad with our very own Crimson Hawks. everybody that was a a little just a little nugget of gold that we found on the IUP YouTube channel the the IUP Department of Music YouTube channel that was performed by the Lytton String Quartet uh, for IUP faculty members uh, Stanley Chapitis, Swana Chapitis, Ryle Ferrer and Linda Jennings. Um, in today's show, we're featuring Linda Jennings. So we wanted to pull um, a little bit of work that she's involved in here with IUP. And if you've never been to their YouTube channel for the Department of Music, I suggest that you go check it out. There are hours and hours and days worth of amazing music that are up there. Um, students, faculty members, just really awesome stuff um, uh, to take a look at and to take a listen to um, some really, really a lot of talent um, in the department. But yeah, I know you guys know all that stuff. So anyway, I'm so excited to have Linda Jennings on the show today. Um, she is my first musician, my first faculty member from the College of Fine Arts. So we're super excited to have her here. And um, you're going to hear at the end of the show that um, I'm begging her to give us some information. So what we've done is we've just gone and pulled stuff that the um, from the Litton String Quartet that has done, and you'll hear the whole part of that Brahms um, piece that they're doing, um, the Brahms String Quartet in C minor. Um, it's about 12 minutes long, and we've we've um, put it on the end of the of all of us talking at the show today. So we hope that you'll take a listen to that. And without further ado, welcome to the show, Linda Jennings. Um, so first of all, thank you for inviting me to this. This is a wonderful uh, program that you're doing. You. Um, so I grew up in a small town called Whitewater in Wisconsin. Uh, it's actually very similar to Indiana. It's a small college town, a little smaller than here. Um, and my family, they were musicians and they really valued um, travel. And as I was sort of looking through my travels and preparing for this today, I realized my overall theme is how music and travel have really intertwined for me. So my dad was a professor of music at UW-Whitewater. Uh, my mom was a cellist. And they first met um, on a six-week music study tour of Europe. And I always thought that was so romantic. It is romantic. <laughs> <laughs> so their travel was often very much tied to music as well. Um, also, as a kid growing up, um, my family was part of the Holst family program um, in UW-Whitewater, similar to what they have here at IUP. And that really had a big impact on me. We had lots of people from different countries from all over the world that would be there for holidays and other special events. Um, my first trip um, abroad was when I was in sixth grade. My two older sisters were playing in an orchestra 
and it was, uh, I think, a two or three week uh, tour of uh, Europe, and they would play in different cities. And they didn't know what to do with me. Um, they didn't. They, they didn't have everybody for me to stay with. So, so I sort of tagged along on that trip, and I just fell in love with Europe and traveling. So, so I got quite an early start. Um, as an undergraduate, you know, I was thinking, I don't know why I didn't do a semester abroad. Um, I think at that time it wasn't the programs weren't maybe quite as developed as they are nowadays. Um, but at that time, my father through his university was organizing music study tours. So in 1985, when I was an undergraduate, he did um, a tour to, um, to West and East Germany. It was an annual celebration for Bach's birthday. So that was really fascinating, because at that time, West and East Germany were still divided, and he had to go sort mm -hmm. of behind the Iron Curtain, and that was really sort of eye-opening to see the difference between those two countries. Um, and then when I was a graduate student, I had some other wonderful opportunities that came up. My um, cello teacher and mentor, Phyllis Young, had an endowed professorship, so that means she had some extra money with it, and she was very generous, and she would each summer um, support some of her students to go to um, what was called the ASTA International Workshops. And these were through the American String Teachers Association, and they would do it in conjunction with their international partners in Europe, and it would be at a different city um, every um, summer. Um, and it would be two, I think it was a two-week program, and you would go and perform and hear concerts and go to different music sessions. Um, so I went to four of those, four different summers. I went to uh, Graz, oh. Austria twice. I went to Stavanger, Norway once, and then Biarritz, France once as well. Wow. What was that like? You know, it was, it was, it was so fun because I would go with my cello friends mm -hmm. um, and we would just have a blast. And we got to work with some of the international teachers and performers. Mm -hmm. um, it really was just a very powerful experience. Yeah. And there was lots of times you get to go around and see the cities and do different things as well. Yeah, so. to travel and explore. Yeah. How cool. And, and I can, I, as you were just mentioning very quickly, like that music and travel go hand in hand. And it became very clear that not only do you feel that way, but it seemed like the whole field of music was that way. They're very open. You know, you had professors and your parents and their schools and all of that. That is, that's great. I'm sorry, I'm, I don't mean to take over here. Oh, no, that's wonderful. So, um, so it, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the other probably most significant travel I had as a graduate student um, was going to Thailand for, for summer for three months. Um, and a friend of mine had been doing some concerts in Thailand, and um, they wanted a cellist to come a little more permanently. Um, so I went for three months, and I played chamber music concerts. I stayed with a husband and wife um, who were just wonderful hosts, uh, Sophie and Pakti Tanapura. And they really, um, they had studied and lived in the West, in the United States and France and Germany, were very cosmopolitan. And they really support, they still continue to support a lot of Western arts in Thailand. Um, and that was just um, sort of a magical time. It was the first time I really sort of traveled by myself. So that was mm -hmm. very empowering. Um, but then Sophie and Pakti would also take me and other um, friends to a lot of the major sites in Thailand. So I got to see a lot of Thailand. I was basically based in Bangkok, um, in mm -hmm. the northern part of Bangkok. 
Um, and at the end of that summer, they had a friend of a friend sort of come through and her travel partner had pulled out the last minute to go to Myanmar. So I was able to go to Myanmar for five days, which um, in 1994, that summer, it was fairly open. Mm. Previous to that time, you could only go in travel groups. That summer, you could go as an individual tourist. And they were actually planning to open it up for tourism in the next two years. But then, uh, because of the government, they shut it down. So, so I sort of lucked out. That was an ideal yeah. time to go. Um, and so during that time, I just fell in love with Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And I found that Thailand, it's very exotic. It's very different than our culture. But it's also, I think, pretty comfortable. Okay. Um, so they have uh, different levels of traveling. You could go as a as a young backpacker. You could also have the five-star hotels. So, um, but that was just sort of a magical time. Can you, can you talk to us what it's like um, to play your instrument in a different country? And maybe that sounds like a silly question. I'm not sure, but... Can you talk about that? Sure. You know, I think um, music and travel, I think music is a sort of an international language. Um, so traveling and playing music, I think, is one, it's such a great way to connect with other people. And I think it makes the travels, for me, it makes them a little deeper. Okay. Um, uh, tourism is, doing, is great. It's, it's mm-hmm. great to be just a tourist and not have to worry about anything. Um, but music has allowed me to connect with people wherever I've gone. Um, so performing for people, um, you know, it, it depends on what culture you're in. Um, for Thailand, they, they do have a lot of Western music, um, but maybe not as much as some other countries. So they're, they're very appreciative of hearing um, a lot of the different kinds of Western classical music. Um, you, in your, in your bio, I was reading that you've, you've also traveled to Croatia, um, Mexico, Norway, France, and, uh, Indonesia and Haiti. And you've done work in Croatia and Haiti as well for master classes in teaching. Can you talk to us about some or all of those? Sure. So first of all, a master class for those viewers who may not know what that is, that's basically sort of a public lesson. Um, So in in addition to performing where when I go to places, I often might do these open lessons for for students. Um, So when I went to Croatia, this is actually uh, an agreement that we have specifically set up between the music department and the um, academy in Croatia. And that was that was a great experience. The academy in Croatia is a top tier conservatory. So it'd be sort of along the lines of Juilliard and all mm-hmm. of that. So really, really high levels of players. So that was really exciting for me as a teacher to go and be able to work with students on that level. Um, there, all of the students spoke English, so that wasn't an issue. Some of the professors didn't speak English as well, especially if they were older generation. Um, so communication was fine with that. Um, in Haiti, um, I would teach lessons and I went and I worked with music programs for for summer camps for kids Mm -hmm. and in haiti they don't speak as much english so i did my best i tried really hard and i learned creole which is the the language that they speak there um and i you know i got the book that you use and i had the audio tapes and everything and i got there and and um what i found is that the book i'd been using the pronunciation was french and not creole And so I found it just didn't work for me. So what I had to do was actually resort to my 
uh, my college French, uh, which is not that great. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was a great learning experience for me. Um, and I had to, you know, learn the language um, uh, as I was going along. So so that was a big challenge. Um, what have you learned? And you can pick any time uh, that you've you've been abroad since there are many. Is there something specific that you've learned um, that you sort of carry with you today, both in your personal life and professional life? Yeah, I think there's quite a few things. Um, I think, first of all, it's a great way to get to know different cultures. So for me, you know, music is always sort of that window into connecting with people and learning about them and their lives. Um, and I think you, you get to, you, it changes your perspective. You sort of see what things you thought and the way you do things in the United States, you might have thought, well, that's, you know, sort of just how it is. When you go to different countries, you see, well, no, there's many, many different ways to do things. There's many different ways to think. Um, there's many different kinds of religions. Um, so it really, I think, helps you see your own culture in a different way. Um, it also teaches you to be flexible and open to whatever happens. Um, so I learned, especially in some of the countries that um, um, are a little poorer, um, especially Haiti, um, you just go with the flow and you take what, what comes. Mm -hmm. If you try to plan things out, um, you might get sort of frustrated. Um, so that was really great. I also find that traveling, it puts me in the moment. Um, so it's, for me, it's always very rejuvenating, um, to travel. Um, and then can you, can, you, can you expand on that a little bit more about being in the moment, what you mean by that? I think that, um, maybe experiences, you get used to your own life and going about your daily life and going to another culture. Um, I know that I'm more observant just cause I'm in a different culture. Um, and because it's unfamiliar, um, I think it just makes me more open to the moment. So I tend to experience things maybe a little more deeply than if it's something that's really familiar. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, that that I guess I learn a lot from that. It's very rejuvenating. And then the other thing, I guess, for me, because music's such a theme for my travels, is I'm always just amazed at the diversity of the human create, uh, creative spirit that I'm just fascinated by all the different ways that people make music throughout the world. It's just, they come up with these just incredibly beautiful ways of doing it that are very different. Have you, you have something in mind that, uh, that stands out? You yeah, I think my experience is in Indonesia. So I went two summers to Indonesia and it was through a program that was sponsored by, um, a center in San Diego called Center for World Music. And they have, they'd hosted for about 40 years these programs to go to Bali, um, which is an island of Indonesia. Um, and for two weeks, you would be at their center there. And it's very idyllic, you're like on the side of a mountain and everything's open pavilion. And uh, you learn their different instruments. And then they would also have a week tour of Java. Um, where you got to go and listen to their different kinds of music and dance. And Indonesia, I'd always been fascinated by their culture. I'd taken some classes and seen videos and experienced it that way. Um, I think it's one of the mo most unique art forms. Their, their music, their dance, they have a kind of puppetry called shadow puppets. I think it's some of the most unique uh, sort of styles of culture um, in the world. 
And so I was always very fascinated by that area. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to share with uh, our guests the quote that you provided, a travel quote. Um, and the quote is by Maya Angelou. And it says, perhaps travel cannot prevent bigotry, but by demonstrating that all peoples cry, laugh, eat, worry, and die, it can introduce the idea that if we try and understand each other, we may even become friends. Can you talk to us about how that speaks to you and the way that you view travel? Yeah, again, I think music for me helps open a door to connect with people um, pretty fast on a pretty deep level. Um, and I think it's just a wonderful way to do that. Um, so, so you get to understand their culture a little faster than maybe um, just going to tourist sites or things like that. Um, you get to, you're able to talk to people um, and really, you know, ask them questions and try to understand their culture and how it works more. All right, I'm going to change gears. I'm going to ask you a, a very difficult question that you're not prepared for. Where is your favorite place you've ever traveled? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I have a couple. I don't think I can just pick <laughs> one. <laughs> so I think Indonesia is one of those. Um, Thailand. I, I've gone to Thailand probably six or seven times. I do love Thailand. Um, another place that was sort of a side trip off of Thailand is um, Cambodia and going to Angkor Wat, which is a complex of temples from, oh, I think it's like the 9th through 12th centuries. Um, and it was temples that actually were sort of forgotten and they were grown over by the jungle. And then they were rediscovered, I think, in the 19th or early 20th century. So they've sort of been rejuvenated. Um, but it's just uh, just a, a magical place. Some of the most beautiful temples um, in the world are there. And what's one place on your bucket list? Um, I would love to go to Bhutan, which is mm -hmm. a small nation sort of near Nepal. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the last Himalayan Buddhist kingdoms left that really hasn't been touched too much by the outside world. You should talk to Henry Webb. I don't know if you listened to his podcast. He was no, on I the didn't. episodes. He uh, he has a Fulbright, and he's on his way to Bhutan next year. Ooh. So Henry Webb in the finance and legal studies here at IUP. And for our listeners, if you haven't listened to that podcast, Henry Webb is uh, has done a podcast with us earlier on this year. Um, I, I haven't been to Bhutan either, but I, um, I that would that would sort of fit with the things that you've been talking about, but it seems so fascinating as well. So how can listeners um, keep in contact with you or follow your projects and, and maybe even hear some things that you've done? Um, you know, on the music department website, uh, there's probably lots of posts of things I've done. Um, I have a website that is not quite running right now. I'm sort of updating <laughs> it, so, um, but that should be up and running, um, hopefully by the, the beginning of the new year, sort of my goal. And we can post that on our Instagram page at IUP Hawks Abroad and also okay. on our podcast landing page whenever that's ready. Okay, um, that sounds great. So what's next for you? Well, um, this last spring, I was supposed to go to Thailand and play some concerts at several universities in Bangkok and work with the Youth Symphony in um, northern uh, uh, Thailand. And because of COVID-19, that all had to be canceled. So um, that, and I don't think it's probably going to be possible this spring, but we're looking at the summer of 2021. You think maybe you'll um, 
consider taking some students with you at some point? To try yeah, um, we have some plans. Um, they're, they're in the making yet. I do hope um, to actually bring some of the youth orchestra from Northern Thailand here. Um, I tried that a couple years ago and then the visas just didn't work. So maybe mm -hmm. it's time to try that again. And mm -hmm. the idea was that they would come for like the last two weeks of, of the spring semester and participate in all our activities. And I'd also love to bring some of our students over there. It would be great for both bringing them here, but also for the IEP community to hear and to have those guests here on our campus. And then Absolutely, yeah. likewise for students to have that overseas experience. Well, you know where to go when you're ready for that. So um, <laughs> yes, my door will be, my virtual door is always open. That So, um, well, I am, for our listeners, I am going to, um, I'm going to beg later on for Dr. Jennings to provide us some recordings so that we can share that with you. And um, that concludes the show for today. So I wanted to thank uh, Linda Jennings for being on the show and sharing your, your love of travel and how it works with music uh, and travel together. So thank you so much for sharing. Well, thank you so much. That was a lot of fun.
thanks for spending time with us today, and I hope you found some inspiration in today's stories. You can subscribe to Tales from Abroad on anchor.fm slash tales from abroad or wherever you get your podcasts. To see a picture from today's episode, follow us on Instagram at IUP Hawks Abroad. One of my favorite quotes is by Simon Sinek. Life is beautiful not because of the things we see or do. Life is beautiful because of the people we meet. So have a beautiful day. Join us for another episode when we explore more tales from abroad.